by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come here today realizing that you are the everlasting father, that you are a good, good father, that everything good that we have comes down from, yes, the father of lights. You are a father to the father. Somebody today was talking to me about the kids at youth villages and how their hearts must be troubled on Father's Day. But you are a father to the fatherless. And you step in and you're a father to each and every one of us. And you lead us down right paths. Paths of righteousness for your name's sake. You call us your own. We are men and women in the family of God. We are children of the Almighty Father. And we thank you for that, Father. And we thank you for teaching us as men folk to step up. To step in. To step over into the things that you have for our lives. As we watch this video and we gush over how good all the fathers are, we know that some of us have come up short in many areas. Lord, when I saw that man washing the dishes, I knew that wasn't me, Lord. <laughs> but I know I come up short in some areas. I'm hard-headed and hard to get along with sometimes, and I make bad decisions in which one of us don't. But you are always the perfect example. You are the one leading us on. And you're the one encouraging us today. And we will be encouraged today. We will take heart that every man in this, this audience, in this congregation, in this family of God here today, every man that's on the live stream, every man that will ever see this video will be encouraged that you're not through with us yet. We'll be encouraged to get back up. And we thank you, Father, and we're going to press on in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, I'm Pastor Guy, and welcome to the church today. I'm glad you came. Bunch of smiling faces. Bunch of gifted, talented, beautiful people that God is excited about speaking to today. Well, when that video said stepping up, I thought, man, that's, that's what I want to encourage people to do. I think that's what God wants to encourage you to do today. I know times are rough. I know many people's finances are day-to-day. -day. One little thing can throw you off. I know some of the marriages are going through difficult situations. I know that sin is an ever-pull on this old flesh that we live in. I know that the world is leading us down a path that is not the path of righteousness. It's a broad path that leads to destruction. And it's not ashamed about it. 
And everywhere we turn, every screen we look at, everything in this world screams, leave that narrow path and come over here with all of us and settle. But I want to encourage you today that we're not settlers here on the earth. We're sojourners. And God didn't call us to settle in the valley of the shadow of death, but to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And that God's saying to you today, get up. If you've been knocked down, don't stay down. A good man gets back up. Now, I'm not just talking to the men. I'm talking to the women too. Get back up. What did Rocky say? You got to keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. How many wants to win in this life? you got to keep moving forward. You can't stay where you, okay, so you had a bad day, but this is a new day. And I'm here today to encourage you to say, pull your boots back up and get back in the fight. Keep moving forward. You come too far. It's time to finish strong, especially so much more as we see the day approaching of its return. It's not time to just to give in, to give out. It's time to step up and step in and over in two. Amen? Say, don't settle. God has more for your life. There might be people here today say, well, I'm I'm right on top. I'm, man, I'm at the top of my game. I got it all together. I'd say to you, don't settle for that because it gets better. Don't settle. None of us have arrived. None of us. So this message is for everybody. Second Chronicles 15, 7. The Lord says, but you, be strong and do not let your hands be weak. What would cause your hands to be weak? Lack of use. When is the last time your hands grabbed your Bible? When is the last time your hands helped somebody else up? Don't let your hands be weak, for your work shall be greatly rewarded. The thing I'm calling you to today and reminding you of, and trying God is trying to touch that place in your heart that knows there's more, it's because there's a blessing on the other side of it. And God loves to bless His children. You know, we go down to the jail on Sunday nights, and, and that's what I tell them. Come on, guys. Step up. They look at me like I'm crazy. They're sitting there. They come in all dejected in them orange jumpsuits, and they sit down. <sighs> What's this guy going to say? And I say, what if in a couple of years after you leave this place, you could restore all the relationships that you've broken? What if your kids honored and respected you? What if you had a job? that you liked and you, you, you were able to provide for yourself and your family? What if you were involved in your church? What if you were helping others and, and you, you had integrity and character and a reputation restored? And they're thinking, no, I don't think so. There's hard to see, ain't it, from a jail cell. But I said, and on top of that, what if I could promise you before you leave that door right there at the back of this room, you can know that you have eternal life. And when you die, you're going to heaven. 
Their eyes get all big. What's he talking about? It says it right there in 1 John, I think, 5, 12, or 13, that you may know that you have eternal life, and this life is in his Son. You can know. And just the thought, the possibility of the what-ifs. What if I decided to change? What if I decided to put Jesus on the throne and I got off the throne? What if? I want you to know two weeks ago, two Sundays ago, 11 men stood up in those orange, orange jumpsuits and gave their hearts to Jesus. And you're part of that because you're part of this church that sends them. And what if I told you just this past Sunday, another 11 men stood up and gave their heart to Jesus? Two weeks in a row. And what if I told you we're a church that don't quit and we'll go back there again tonight? And guess what? We're believing for at least another 11. Because we don't quit. We don't say, well, do I feel like going to the jail tonight? We've already decided in our heart that's, what we, that's who we are. That's what we do. I don't care if it's Super Bowl Sunday and there's a party at my house. Angie, every year she starts preparing me. We're having a party in our house. Can you get somebody else to go to the jail? I said, nope. Man, I'm not missing out on the, those guys that are going to stand up. You know, some of the best worship I've ever been involved in is down at the jailhouse. Just singing songs just like that right there. To hear a chorus of men folk singing. And there's a lot of men folk in here that could sing a lot louder than they've been singing. And that's what I'm encouraging you today. It's time we start to sing again. It's time that these lungs begin to fill up with air that's going to praise the Lord. Yes, you. <laughs> Somebody might say, but you know, Jesus sets the bar so high. I just look up and I, it's up there at perfection. He's up there calling me to holiness. I can't even see that far up there. Hey, guess what? I can't either. But he's calling you to wrestle with the difference from where you are to where he's calling you to holiness. You can't just say, well, I can't see it, so I can't be it. you got to get a mental image. you got to get an understanding that it's him who's going to lead you if you'll just follow. He's calling you to wrestle with that difference. Don't settle and say, well, I can't do it. He will complete the work in you on that day. But it's your responsibility until then. Paul explains in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Along these lines, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. And we're talking about probably one of the most holy men, the most influential men that the world has ever known. The most godly man. One of the most godly men the world has ever known. Apostle Paul. He said, I haven't already achieved these things. I haven't already reached perfection. But I press on. Say press on. That's the key. Press on to possess the, perf the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. How did he possess me? He gave his all for me. How do I live my life? I give my all for him. I, I want to possess him like he possessed me. <laughs> no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. 
forgetting the past and looking forward. So many people strapped to their past. They can't get past the past. They're driving the car, looking in the rearview mirror, going into one ditch after the other. Look through the windshield. Stop looking in the rearview mirror. Look forward to what lies ahead. This is just a, a place along the journey. You don't stop here. I press on to reach the end of the race. Do you know you're in a race? How are you going to win your race when you keep taking these long timeouts? And receive the heavenly prize. See, I told you there's a prize. There's a prize. There's a heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling you. Yes, you have a calling. Well, the pastor has a calling. That evangelist has a calling. You have a calling. <laughs> He's calling you for a heavenly prize. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. Any spiritually mature in here? Because if you disagree at some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. He'll show you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Okay, so you're not where you want to be. But don't let that cause you to slide back even further. Hold on to what you got so that you can move on with what you got. Like I said, there's opposition to all this in there. It's the weights that make you stronger. And the devil's out there. He don't know he's working against himself. <laughs> he's too dumb to know it. But there's something on the inside of us that's going to overcome him. He's, say, he's saying, oh, there's nothing to that Christianity stuff. You don't need all that. That's bunch of holy rollers he you know he's got a name for everything he's saying you you can't find no satisfaction you're just an old rolling stone i can't get no satisfaction he's lying to you <laughs> you know where the satisfaction is If I ask you, are you satisfied? You say, no. If you'd be honest with yourself, you're not satisfied. I mean, the, I don't care how close you are to the Lord yesterday. Today you wake up unsatisfied again. But what is it? What do you do? You put your big boy pants back on. You get back up. You get back in the game. And you walk today with the Lord. And you find new satisfaction. Man, I wish, I wish we could have that satisfaction that when we get to the end, he's going to make all things new and this pool of sin and all this stuff will be over with. There'll be no more tears, no more crying, no more death, no more sorrow. We'll be fine in heaven. But until then, there's a constant tug. And if you're not moving forward, you're sliding back. Proverbs 19.23 says, The fear of the Lord leads to life. That's what you're looking for. You never maybe put it into words, but what you're looking for is life. And he who has it will what? Oh, what happens if you don't have a Bible? The fear of the Lord, it says in my Bible, those who have it 
will abide in satisfaction. And he will not be visited with evil. That's a good thing. Just throw that in there. How many want to be satisfied? It's that daily walk with the Lord. The great Smith Wigglesworth, he said, I am satisfied with the dissatisfaction that never rests until it is satisfied again and again. What did he just say? (laughs) I had to read that five times myself. He said, I am satisfied with the dissatisfaction. Well, that's that's like some C.S. Lewis kind of stuff. You've got to stop and ponder on it. I am satisfied with dissatisfaction? Yes, that never rests. Does your dissatisfaction never rest until it is satisfied again and satisfied again? That's what he's satisfied with. That he never gets satisfied not being satisfied. Did I confuse even myself with that? In other words, don't spend all your time building bigger barns down here. The devil is okay with you playing Christian. He don't like it, but he's even okay if if you said the sinner's prayer and you're going to heaven. If you truly receive salvation. And even if you go to church regular. Pray over your meals. But look, that's enough. Y'all need to stop right there, you know. Don't go any further than that. You know, just be an American Christian. And most American Christians, I'd say 95, 96% never enter the first phase of their calling. Because the world says, be satisfied with just going to church. You're doing God a favor. Just clock in. Go and get you some, get you, get yourself built up. And then next Sunday you go again. But see, that's the difference in a Christian and a disciple. And that's why a long time ago here at the Passion Church, we stopped trying to make Christians. Christians are a dime a dozen. We're trying to make disciples. Disciple. It's someone who will take up their cross and follow the Lord. They don't just come and learn, but they come and learn that they may go and teach. Ever thinking about how I can be more Christ-like, how I can, how I can tap in to the Great Commission through the Great Commandment. It's the difference. Most churches settle now, let's be honest. I read that the average church in America runs about 200 on a Sunday. Of course, there's some big mega churches and there's some smaller churches and everything. But the average church is about 200. And they say the reason for that is that at at 200 people coming and and you, you can convince them that they ought to tithe and stuff. There's enough money to come in. They can get them a little place, have a little nice building for themselves. The, the pastor can get enough money to pay his bills and And you can pay a few people on the staff. And it's just a good place to settle. You know, we've done our part. We've we've got up to 200. We're finished now. 
And so you have churches all over America just holding still, holding at 200, holding at a comfortable place. Not the Passion Church. You know me. I will sit and bang my head against that wall if I have to. We're going to be a church that people find the real Jesus all over the world. And we're not stopping. And one day y'all going to look back and say, that stupid pastor. He always, back there in the back of nowhere, he always talking about these big things or whatever. That crazy man, he wouldn't let go of the altar. He wouldn't stop pushing those people and encouraging them. I say, oh, I don't mean pushing. The devil's pushing. Jesus is a good shepherd. He's inspiring. And I'm never going to stop trying to inspire you to more. And it's going to be slow. It's not going to be as like other churches. I can preach what you want to hear and we can grow this place. You see what I'm saying? But if you're here, you're a disciple. Because you could go somewhere else and hear easier preaching. You could go somewhere else and settle. But you're here because you like your toes stepped on. You like it. And you're saying, just let me at him. Let me at him. Here I am, Lord. Send me. You know, when we used to do door-to-door outreaches regularly, once a month, I would, the devil would put up this smoke screen. And here I was, you know, even after I was pastor, I'd be like, I don't, man, I don't, I'm going to knock on the door and they're they going to they say mean things to me. They're going to shut the door in my face. I'm going to say something stupid. We're always looking at ourselves saying, I, I, what do I have to say? I don't know what to do. And so the devil would just fight and fight and fight to get me to not go to the outreach. And, and I believe he was fighting a lot of you too because I didn't see many of you there. But, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. Some of us still went. Some of us press through the smoke screen and we realize that those are just people like me and they want to hear this gospel more than I want to tell it. And when I would pray with them and I'd love on them and tell them that Jesus loves them, they would get so excited. People would get saved and I'd leave the ministry. We'd only be there an hour and a half and I'd go to Taco Bell to get me something to eat and I'd be witnessing to all the people in there and I'd be telling myself, this is, this is what I'm called to do. I'd never felt more fulfilled or satisfied in my life after I stepped through the smokescreen into the blessing that God has on the other side. But we've got to be courageous enough to step through the smoke. To take a step into something that we've never done before. Into a place where we're just trusting God that that the ground is going to be underneath our feet when we get there. Beyond the smoke is your fulfillment. The devil is like the king of procrastination. You didn't go this time, that's all right. You don't have to go today. You can go next time. You know, you got that thing. (laughs) You can do it tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. Just, you know, in the meantime, just get in line and punch your time card and and be happy with all your little Chinese trinkets. 
like everyone else. The devil is like a scallywag trading worthless beads and fire water to the Indians. He does not have your best interest at heart. He's saying, take this little bowl of stew in place of your birthright. Here, trade it for your calling. Fill your little belly. And I'm just telling you, it makes me mad. Can you tell I'm a little bit amped up today? I think about what we've been through. 2020, COVID-19. These things are designed to, to stop the church. Do you not see that? They're from the devil. They're designed to keep the church in fear. To keep the church from being the church, from coming together and assembling together. They're, they, the devil wants us to, to learn to live with limitations now. He says there's a new normal. I said, there's no normal. My life is going to get better every step. There's never going to be a normal for me. Tomorrow's normal will be better than today's normal. If I'm walking with the Lord, I'm not going to live in bondage. And I'll tell you another thing they're trying to do right now. I am not going to trade my liberty. I'm not going to trade the possibilities of my life for a government check. You know what the devil's like? He's like a, a low-down lawyer. He's trying to get you to settle this case before it goes to trial. And he wants you to settle for a pittance of what you would get at trial. He wants, he wants you to settle. This, it's a lot easier just fitting in. Oh, we don't need to go through all that stuff at trial we can just settle it right here just settle down here i'll give you he did it to jesus he took him up on the high mountain and said i'll give you all this stuff if you'll just bow down and serve me what jesus say thou shalt serve the lord your god and him only shall thou serve don't you dare trade your birthright for a bowl of stew don't you drink that fire water Don't you settle. Don't you settle. What are you tempted to settle about? Is your mind working right now? What are you tempted to settle about? There's devils working on you in some area of your life, isn't he? He always is. That's why we have to stay ever vigilant. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. We talked about Paul. At what point could the apostle Paul have settled? You know, he studied 10 years under Gamaliel great man in the Jewish hierarchy. He had become a Pharisee. 
He got to wear the long flowing robe. He had the honor, the title, the, the riches. He had just about everything that this world could offer. He could have settled right there. But he didn't. And he says in verse 23, Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman. He don't like to, to boast. But I have served him far more. He said, I have worked harder. Well, well, let's stop right there. That word work. Some of you thinking, man, when we had that outreach out there, I had to put more chairs in the trailer than anybody else. I'm not doing that no more. I'm going to get there late so I don't have to set up the chairs. I'm, I'm leaving before they get through. I don't want to do any of that work. That's a bad word in the church, ain't it? But some of you know, like mighty, mighty man Thomas there, he was everywhere. He says, you don't want your blessing? I'll get it for you. I tell you what, my band used to play, and, and I'm not going to name any names, but there was one fellow that was bad about not doing his, his job moving equipment. And uh, we had a band meeting. This is a, you know, when we were a Christian band. And I said, uh, I said, I just told him straight out. I said, if you don't show up on time to help move the equipment or something, I'll move your equipment for you, and I'll take your blessing. And that's all I said. And I was willing to do it because I was going to have to do it anyway. <laughs> but once I said that, they were fighting each other to try to get to the trailer first, to get the amplifiers out. I have worked harder. I have been put in prison more often. Have you thought about what might, what it might cost to serve the Lord going forward in the new America that we're living in? Been whipped times without number. Have you been whipped yet? Have you been whipped so many times you can't remember them all? You can't number them? Maybe Paul should, should have quit then. Somebody said, well, he deserves to quit at this point. He's been whipped so many times he don't remember. He faced death again and again. Five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. What must his back have looked like? Three times I was beaten with rods. That's when they take a stick and beat the bones in your, break the bones in your feet. Once I was stoned. That's the only one a lot of us can say. Yeah, <laughs> once I was stoned too, man. <laughs> Little comic relief. Never hurt. Three times I was shipwrecked. Now, I'm just going to be honest. If I've been on a ship and, and it got wrecked, I'm going to be thinking hard about the next time I get on a ship. But if I've been shipwrecked twice, I can pretty much guarantee you I ain't going to get shipwrecked the third time. But Paul is still getting on ships. Once he spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea, he's traveled on many long journeys. He's faced danger from rivers and from robbers. 
He faced danger from his own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. He's faced danger in the city and in the deserts and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers that are not. I have worked long and hard. I have endured many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold with not enough clothing to keep me warm. And then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. In other words, it's not enough that i got to deal with my own stuff, but I'm concerned about your stuff. But it didn't break Paul. It made Paul. Philippians 3.8, when asked about the things that he gave up to go through all this for the Lord, he said everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Remember how I said that life is what you're really after? And Jesus is life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And it's worth it. No matter what you go through on this side, it is worth it. Paul is trying to tell you. Most, no, probably nobody has ever been through as much as he has and lived to tell about it. And now he's here to testify that it is worth it. Every sorrow, every sleepless night, every hungry belly. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. That's what you're called to, oneness with Christ. So don't settle. Say, don't settle. I got a better idea. Peter had a better idea in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. Don't settle, but let God settle you. He said, but may the grace of all, the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while perfect, establish, and strengthen and settle you. You want to, be, you want to settle? Let God perfect, establish, and strengthen you and be willing to endure suffering that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Don't be afraid to suffer for Jesus Christ. Then you have the testimony that Paul had as he wrote his son in the faith, the last letter that he wrote in 2 Timothy before his death, chapter 4, verse 6. He has this testimony. But as for me, I've already been poured out like an offering to God. The time of my death is near, and I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on the day of his return. you know there's crowns to be won? And when we receive our crown and we stand before the Lord Jesus, we won't get to walk up 
and place it on his head and say, here, Jesus, wear my crown. We won't wear it ourselves. We will get down on our knees and we will cast our crowns at his feet because he alone is worthy. more you pour out your life as an offering the more you realize he alone is worthy and he's worth it and the prize is not just for me he says but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing uh, our senior pastor, Pastor Vickers, he, he don't know I'm going to use this. He don't know what I'm preaching today or whatever. But yesterday, he sent out a group me text thing to, to uh, other pastors in the churches to encourage us. And he said this, I ran across, across a brief note that I wrote to myself on the back of one of our old tax records. The note is about a dream I had. In the dream, Jesus wrapped his arms around me and he said, good job, son. Good job. And then I wrote, that is why I can't quit. And that remains true to this very day. He says, the 26th, I will be 74. June 26th is his birthday. He said, I'll be 74. But there remains much to do so that I can hear him say, good job, son. Good job. 74 years old, still going strong. Not an ounce of quit in him. And I don't know about you, but I have decided to serve the Lord. That's for me and my house. We have decided. No matter what comes against us. And I'm telling you, the devil comes like a torrent, like a flood. But my God is a refuge. There's armor that he gives me that will allow me to stand in the face of my enemy and be victorious. Sometimes along the road, I admit it, you got to get a crazy praise. They got their crazy praise over here on the, the broad path that leads to destruction, but I got my crazy praise over here on the narrow road. And that narrow road requires a crazy praise every now and then. I think about blind Bartimaeus. He's sitting on the side of the road. He ain't got nothing, no hope. And he hears that the Savior's coming by and he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody tells him to shut up. You're not worth anything. He's not, the master doesn't care about you. Just hush your mouth. But he cries all the more. Blind Bartimaeus has a crazy praise. He grabs hold of the hem of the Lord Jesus Christ and he's not letting go. And that's the way it's got to be because I once was blind, but now I see. You got, you got two minutes to watch a video that I got them to load for me? This is kind of like a video of the way I, I picture us 
entering the gates of heaven, finishing our race. See if they can pull that up for me. This is she is lifting. Carrie is hurt. Oh, this could be this could be really bad news, John. Shrug either chair. Strong is in trouble. She just stumbled there. She either turned her ankle. Falls short just like Mochianu. I, I don't know the last time Karen Strong did something like that. This is her event. Up until the vault, here's the reaction of her parents. Up until the vault, it looked like the Americans would be a lot. Her first score, 9.162, not high enough. A couple of things at stake here. If Strug scores big, she will not only win the team goal, but she will advance to the individual all around. Her teammate, Mochianu, will not. She knows what to do. She will go when she is ready. can't walk with the Lord the way you need to walk with the Lord and not walk away with a limp. Brother Jacob wrestled with the Lord on the banks of the Jabbok. The Lord touched his hip socket and he walked away with a limp. This is not the easy road. This is the road less traveled. <laughs> I imagine we're going to come vaulting into heaven just like that. We might be carrying each other. We might be all limping. But when we walk through those doors, we're all going to be made new. And you're going to win the gold. <laughs> Jesus could have quit on us so easily. When he sweat those great drops of blood in the garden, he could have said, this is too tough, Father. I can't drink this cup. Let them drink their own cup. But he didn't. When they told him, don't go into Jerusalem in the first place, they said, Herod's there, he's going to kill you. They told Paul the same thing. Don't go to Jerusalem, they're going to kill you there. 
but they both went. And Jesus said in Luke 13, 32, he said, you go tell that fox, Herod, that I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will accomplish my purpose. That's the determination of the Lord Jesus. I don't care what they do to me. I don't care what happens. You can't kill a dead man. I have already died. And as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. Father, I will drink the cup. Thy will be done. And it wasn't enough that they pressed down the thorns on his head and they ripped his back open and they, they drove the nails through his hands and feet. They stabbed him with a spear and they drained his last drop of blood. And he gave all. And that's the God I'm serving. The God that didn't give up on me when I was so far away, so running in the opposite direction, cared nothing for him, hurting all his children, the people around me, cared nothing for anything good. And while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're saying, well, I don't know if I'm in for all that. It's in their free will to make that decision. But you think it's better on the broad path, the one that's leading to destruction? Eternity in hell? The one that doesn't have blessings at the end of it? The one that doesn't have rewards? The, one, the place that isn't made new? The place that has no life for all of eternity? You think that, that's the easier way? What Paul is saying is until you step through that smoke screen, you'll never know the satisfaction of serving the Lord. If you went back and asked Jacob, is he glad he's walking with a limp? Is he glad he wrestled with God about who he is? Yes. You go back to the thing that probably was so terrible that led you to finally cry out to the Lord, you probably look back and say, I'm glad it happened. Because without that, I wouldn't know the peace that passes all understanding, the salvation that I feel. And the change in my, my spirit that, my, that I came alive. And God is calling you to come alive. To come walk with me and to daily experience one step at a time the satisfaction. The satisfaction of the dissatisfaction. So there's no easy way out here. Life is hard. Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This light affliction, I think it says in Romans, is but for a moment. In the scope of eternity, this life we live, this light affliction, he calls it's not light, it don't feel light. God, it don't feel light. But this light affliction is but for a moment. But it worketh for us a far greater weight of glory in the life to come. That's the road I choose. And that's the road 
that I'm going to encourage you to take. God says, come follow me. You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you're online today. He says that he wants two things from you. He wants your heart and he wants your confession. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe into a right standing with God and it is with the mouth that you confess unto salvation. Yes, you need to say it out loud, he's saying. I want to hear it out of your mouth that I am your Lord. And I want to see it in your heart that you believe that I died for you, that I was resurrected, that you could be too. If you've never made that confession, oh, you can't earn this. And, and all this stuff I'm talking about, the, the dedication and the dying to self and the walking it out, that's not earning it. Never could. That's enjoying it. That's partaking of the death of Christ so that you can partake of the resurrection of Christ. That's partaking of the death that he died so that you can receive the glory that he now dwells in in heaven. You can be partakers of his glory. If you've never made that first step to make him the Lord of your life, you can come off of that road that's leading to destruction and you can get on the straight and narrow and we will help you. We want you to go with us as we serve the Lord with our whole hearts. If you've never made that decision, pray with me right now. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus is your son. That he died on my cross. He bore my sin. I repent of my sin. And I say, Jesus, take my sin away. Be the Lord of my life. I will follow you. Now if your heart and your mouth just lined up when you said that, you may know that you now have eternal life and that life is in Jesus. Now live in Jesus. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Is the fight worth fighting? listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.